Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick coming at you as we do every, not only every Sunday, but on Saturdays from 9 to 11 here on 1450 WXVW. Talking all things in the world of sports. Um, once again, we're on the air every Saturday from 9 to 11 and Sunday from 10 until noon. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. We appreciate Brandon allowing us to be on the air each week as is par for the course. We expect Brandon to be calling us toward the end of the second hour, so at about 11.50 or 10 till noon, we'll hear from Brandon, who promotes justice. He'll call in, he'll correct us on any factual inaccuracies we may have had during the show. Despite the fact that it's not college basketball or football season, we have a very busy show lined up for us today. We have World Cup coming up this upcoming Tuesday. The U.S. facing off against Belgium. Soccer or football, not exactly the sport that we normally talk about on the weekend sports buzz. It did, however, dictate a lot of our talk last week. So we'll see how much traction we get for the world of soccer today. Uh, Many American sports fans and here locally, fans of of your more traditional basketball, football, baseball fans really had trouble grasping how a team, as in the United States World Cup team, could lose in advance. So we'll be sure to cover the World Cup today. We have plenty of news when it comes to the world of the NBA. Over the the past week, on Thursday, we had the NBA draft, where we had a a couple Kentucky players taken in the first round. We had uh, Russ Smith taken in the second round. Woo, go Cards. We're welcomed in studio today by the lovely Ashley Miller. How are you doing this morning, Ashley? I'm fantastic. Happy Sunday, Kelly. Thank you very much. I was just going over with our listeners here, Ashley, how we've got plenty to talk about despite the fact that it's the offseason, it's not college basketball, it's not college football season, but we do have World Cup. There was actually even a NASCAR race here in the state of Kentucky yesterday. Yes, I, I heard a lot about that. Did you go? I didn't go. My man Matt McCarthy went. Oh, you? I wonder if Carolina went. I, Carolina did go, so we'll, did go? I'm sure we'll be getting a call here from Carolina shortly right. to get his feedback on how that went. I believe Kozlowski uh, was victorious, but we'll get the update from our man Carolina Steve. That's his his uh, forte, and that's the, the area that he is an expert in, so we'll have to wait to hear from, from Carolina Steve on that. Major League Baseball, I'm wearing my Reds shirt today. My Cincinnati Reds have been on a hell of a streak, winning 14, I'm sorry, 13 of their last 17 games. Won in dramatic fashion in the 11th inning last night. NFL news, only thing really out there is Teddy Bridgewater released a statement somewhat retracting what he had previously said, where he had he had expressed that he was very happy he did not go to Cleveland. So we'll get to talk a little bit about Teddy if we get to it. College basketball, as I mentioned, Julius Randle and James Young of Kentucky were drafted in the first round. Russ Smith drafted and then traded in the second round. I ended up with the, uh, what is it, the New Orleans... Pelicans. Pelicans. New Orleans Pelicans. So we'll get to talk about what we think we can expect from Russ Smith. Will he make the roster? Will he contribute? Teaming up with Anthony Davis. Um, Other news in the world of college basketball. 
in my eyes, is there's a top 50 coaches poll that was released hmm. by um, the, the, the fine folks over at ESPN.com. They're releasing it periodically. On Friday, they released the number six ranked coach in the country, and that was Bill Self. Hmm? Wait, so that have they released one they, they're, they're, they're going backwards. So I could I could break it all the way down from, from 50 to 6 right now. Richard Pitino came in at 49. Names that would stand out would be Tubby Smith at, at 39. Um, let's see. Other ones. I mean, obviously, these are all great coaches. So my, my I guess the biggest question is... Who's, where's Rick? Where's Cal? Yes. <laughs> or they have they been released yet? They have not. No, they have not been. They are in the top. They have the, to be in the, the top the, five. The five, yeah, without a doubt, as they probably should be. I, I think we can both agree on that, right, Ashley? I'll agree on part of that. <laughs> I'll put. I'll say I'll agree that Patino should be in the top five. I'd put Cal. The, the five. The five who have not been <laughs> who have not been ranked yet are Patino, Coach Cal, Tom Izzo, Coach K, and Billy Donovan. What if they ranked Cal above Patino? Could have happened. The drama. It certainly could happen. <laughs> He's got the ball rolling in Lexington uh, just about as well as anyone else out there right now. I mean, they're, they're returning plenty of talent next year. And um, in studio with us today, we actually have someone who has, some, I would say, pretty good insight as to the University of Kentucky basketball program. We have our man Derek Anderson. How you doing this morning, Derek? I'm great, man. Just uh Got off camp, so I'm excited to finally get to breathe. <laughs> yeah, once again, Derek Anderson joining us in studio for the, the weekend sports buzz today. Derek, tell our listeners, you had your camp this past week. How, how did the camp go? It was great. Uh, it was beyond something I would ever imagine. It's the best camp I've ever had in 15 years. So the kids were receptive. The parents were part of it. Uh, the kids got better as a person. And that's, that was the biggest part of our camp, making sure these kids understood that basketball is just a job. It's not your life, so. It was really good to see these kids have a good time and get something out of it. The majority of the kids at the camp, what age group were they? I was 7 to 17, so we had a wide range of kids. and Again, they were just excited, man. Every time you told them about life stories and how you should prepare yourself, they actually got involved. They asked questions about what would you do if you were having problems at home. And we got to have some interactions where most kids don't get that. You know, They always got to keep it inside, internal, and they have frustrations, but they got to let it out and didn't play basketball. So it was really good. I loved it. So you said this is the 15th year you've been doing this camp? Yep. Wow. Always been in the same location? No, I do it. I move it around. I don't want to keep it in one area. I want to reach kids all across the the, the state. So we're going to start traveling to other cities and, and whatnot. But we did it at Louisville Collegiate High School, which was great. They did an awesome job of everything and great facilities. So next year we're looking at uh, moving it somewhere else. You're going to focus here within the state of Kentucky? Absolutely. Never leaving Kentucky. It's good to hear. Certainly. Do you have a date for next year's camp set? Yes, June 22nd. We're going to do it June 22nd through the week, which will be the 26th. So uh, that'll be our starting point every year. And we might do two sessions as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it'll be in July or June, early part of June. Awesome. And per session, about how many kids are you accepting? Only 100. This year we did 112 because there was a couple of kids who you know had issues that you know they didn't get to make other camps. And we just uh, had sponsors by Jeff Weiler. Uh, Mike Vine and Bluegrass Motors, they pay for a couple kids to come, and uh, we got them in. That's awesome. 
So you've been doing the camp for 15 years. I assume over the course of those 15 years, you, you kind of tweak things here and there, yeah. make changes each year. Sounds like you changed the, the venue uh, for the most part each year. Any changes you're going to implement to the camp uh, from this year going into next year? Are you just going to probably find a, a, a location for the camp next year? Still going to be between the ages of 7 and 17? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we always get better. And that's the thing about life. These kids get better. We'll have a little more study guides for them to take home and write down a couple of things. But this year we also did where they had to do a bunch of chores to get awards. So they went home and people were doing like their parents were saying they were cleaning up stuff they weren't supposed to clean up. <laughs> the little girls were doing like 41 chores. They went from, you know, cleaning garages out to feeding their little kid's sister. They were doing a lot of things trying to get awards. And it was rewarding to see that. And now the parents can keep it going. Great. Any any um, specific people who run your camp from year to year? Is it the same same group of people that helps you with it each year, or do you change that up also? I, I keep my core five guys from Terrence Mormon. He was my high school coach at Dallas. Now he's coaching at Western High School, doing a great job. Tony Williams, who's a coach at Dallas High School, is a good friend of mine. Uh, coach Mitchell, we do a couple other guys. But Jason Osborne came. It was his first time ever working mine, former Louisville star. And uh, we're looking for new guys always to come just to get them intrigued. And uh, maybe they can take some of the stuff that we're doing to keep it going with their own camp. Is it – you said it wasn't so much focusing just on the on-court performance of these players, but letting them know of the importance of, of um, having a balanced life and, and, you know, realizing basketball's not everything. Yeah, you have to. I, I'm, it's so sad watching some of these young guys come to college and then leave for one year and then expect – their lives to be perfect when they get done playing. They have no education, no job training, no social skills, and they get out in the world thinking money is the way they're going to survive, and it's not. They had they come out with negative attitudes. It's just terrible watching some of this stuff happen in front of your eyes. It's really sad to see these young guys think it's about chasing a dollar instead of your education and being good people. So we keep that focused on these kids' minds. Is, hey, if you get your education first and you do it, you're a good person. You'll always succeed in life. You'll always win in everything that you do. You don't have to worry about sports being your your only thing of survival. So uh, it's good to see these kids doing that, and I'm excited. Now, Derek, there's plenty of examples of athletes who've came and went and have had you know maybe financial problems uh, during or after their playing career. But there's plenty of examples also of guys like you or Junior Bridgman, Jamal Mashburn, guys who have uh, ventured out into different avenues of business and have done really well. Is that something you talk to these kids from seven to seventeen about? Yeah, As you yeah. say, you gotta you gotta have a a fiscal uh, res- fiscally responsible attitude. You gotta realize you you, you gotta learn different uh, skills, and you gotta uh, but, but get into different th- businesses. Is that something you talk to these kids about? Yeah, you do. But what's the one thing that you just named all those guys that we have? It's character. It's a positive attitude. It wasn't about us being sports Certainly, guys. It was yeah. about our attitude. And you know, it doesn't. We're no different than any other star players that's ever played. The only difference with us is our character. You know, we had positive attitudes. We spoke to people. We were respectful to people, so we worked hard. You know, and people think that's it. Like, if you name the successful people that you name, sure. if you look at their character, you'll say, I see why this guy's still making it. You're right. You know, if there's you stories at, at every that, level. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sad. Like, my friend Antoine Walker, he, he his attitude was so bad when he was in NBA he lost everything, but he couldn't get any help because of his attitude. Like, we would all would have helped him if his attitude wasn't like that. But his attitude and pride wouldn't allow him to come ask us for money or for help, and that's because of his attitude. Now he's changed his attitude. He's showing other people that, hey, you know, the mistakes I made, you can make them better. So he's changed his life around, which is great. But you looked at all the guys you name and, and, and 
like the ESPN 130 for 30 that broke thing, all they yeah. showed was people who had been in trouble. They never showed anybody who had not done anything wrong. You know what I mean? And that's they didn't the focus on they the positive, on, really. No, so it's just your character is going to make you survive, and I, th- I think that's what we all focus on anyway. Now, at the local level, we have, as I said, you, Jamal Mashburn, Junior Bridgman. You know, we've all heard the story about Junior got into buying Wendy's, mm-hmm. and he had some fail, and he, he wanted to start from scratch. And he said, no, I'm going to go in here and learn how to work the fryer. Like mm-hmm. you said, he had a, a good attitude. Mm-hmm. He had humility. was able to go down to the bottom level and learn yep. the business from the ground up. And then it, he was successful. Any guys, those are the local guys that we have right. to look to. Anyone I'm leaving out on, on the local level that, that, that you can think of that, that has came and, and, and went and really um, – inter- very interesting topic to me. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, um, is there – I think Daryl Griffin's done a good job. Daryl Griffith, yeah, he's, I shouldn't leave Daryl Griffith done, off. Yeah. yeah, he's always done his part. He's done a great job of staying connected. Um, but, but your thing about it is a lot of the athletes, again, that you see to go around here – the reason why they struggle is because of their attitude. They don't speak. They don't want to learn. They don't want to work. And they'll, they'll work in something, you know, like they'll do a camp and then that'll be it. They don't think about expanding themselves, working with other people who have been there before. Like I asked Junior Bridgman for knowledge. You know, tell me how I can get better. Really? But other athletes around in the Louisville area, they stay to themselves. They don't want to work with each other, so therefore they can't get any better. They're trying to do everything on their own, and then they realize that they don't have any help. They want to point the finger about, well, no one helps me. Well, you didn't ask for help. Yeah. You know, so I think a lot of these people around the, the Kentucky area, they need to start expanding themselves and growing and networking. It's got to be a tough situation. I would think you've, you're given all this money, and a lot of these guys who do end up falling on their faces financially, they, they tell stories through the broke and different other interviews I've seen where they say, I tried, I did, they, they, they did try. Maybe they give their buddy $50,000 or something to start up a car wash or this or that, or and then something maybe it, it didn't work out. They got frustrated, and then it was just all a loss. But, you know, you, but remember you said Junior Bridgman went down and got in the fryer? If you don't get your hands dirty and you don't understand what you're doing, don't blame anybody else when you lose. I've made that mistake. I try to have someone else do it, run a company, and, and because I didn't focus on running it with them, you know, my company didn't do as well. But once I started to do it on my own and, and get in the, in the trenches and get my hands and, and put my mind involved in it, then I started to understand it. So if you don't understand what you're doing, you can't blame anybody for your loss. Once again, I'm Kelly Patrick, joined in studio, as always, by the lovely Ashley Miller. Also, today, joined in studio by, how can I introduce Derek? Uh, the legendary. The legendary Derek <laughs> Anderson out of Louisville. Played for Ohio State, Kentucky. Played for, what was it, five, six teams in the NBA? Uh, six. Six teams in the NBA over an 11-year career. Won an, uh, uh, an NBA Finals in 2006 with the, the Miami Heat. Under Pat Riley, another Wildcat. Mm-hmm. Uh, also played for Greg Popovich. So, I mean, we're, we're also talking about this list of ranking the top coaches in the country. We have Rick Patino, We have the, the Kentucky coach, Calipari. So, the amount of insight that you can offer to our show today <laughs> is really endless in my eyes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny to see some of the coaches on the list, but I'd like to know who voted on this list. Yeah. Like if you ask players, I bet you this list would change immediately. I mean, you look at some of these coaches you've left out and some of the coaches you put in, and it's like, it's almost hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, and a lot of the guys don't know history about basketball, so they're only going to go what they see. Like, nothing against Richard Bertino, but it, was this his second year as coaching? Yeah. How do you how do you get this guy in coaching? You've had a tremendous amount of coaches over years, and you lead and you put him on there. And that's the thing. It's, these young kids, you say, who's your favorite player of all time? And they'll say Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah. You know, they don't even look at the history of saying a Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. You know, they don't even know the history of basketball. So 
it's almost comical seeing some of these people put stuff out. But if you get a real basketball guy who understands basketball, these lists would change, and you would see some of the best coaches you've ever seen coach. What's telling to me is that Roy Williams is ranked as the number 16 coach on this list. And that I find that to be very interesting, whereas mm-hmm. five, eight years ago, he may have been as high as number one. Mm-hmm. And he is, you know, whether it be the, the scandal, academic scandal at UNC that's, that's mm-hmm. unfolding in front of our, our eyes right now, or for whatever reason, he has really dropped in the rankings. Um, you where's, look at it. Where's Bob Knight at? No, this is ju- this is just current list, oh, just current, current just list. current coaches. Yes, oh, okay. so that's what what it points that's out to me is, is that yeah. if we were ranking the current coaches historically, yeah. Coach K would have to be right there. Rick, even Roy Williams would have to be right there, no question about it. But instead, we have number eight, Greg Marshall of Wichita State. So this is current, mm-hmm. current coaches. If you're wanting a coach to run your program right now, right. who's number one? Ashley, you don't seem to think Coach Cal would be number one. No. <laughs> Coach Carroll doesn't even have an offense, so I would I would definitely biased. Would you put uh, Rick? Okay, then my question turns into: Would you put Rick above the all-time winningest coach in the history of college basketball and Coach K, okay. who has four national championships? Rick Rick has two. Then that becomes the question that we've talked about before, and what determines the greatness of a coach? Is it? The amount of championship rings that they have? Is it the success of their players after they leave their program? Like, what is it that, that makes a coach great? So, there you would take into consideration not only Rick's coaching tree, but as we've heard from many people, his relationship with players ongoing. I would imagine it's a two way street. You can't have a bad attitude and expect Rick to then help you out and talk, mm-hmm. you know. But, I, Derek, would it be accurate to say that Rick not only helps his former players and former assistant coaches to land head coaching gigs, but that he's pretty helpful in other aspects also? Yeah, but that's also Coach K. And yeah, you know, yeah, you know exactly. I mean? It's you like you look at Coach K's Coach bench, K. it's all his former players. We could sit here and be homers yeah, and, 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 and say Rick is clearly above Coach K, but if I'm looking at it from a true, accurate, trying to be unbiased standpoint, I, it's tough to argue against Coach K being number yeah, one. Yeah, and that's the only thing that I would say. He's done it longer. That's the only thing. Mm. That's he the has. only thing that I would say. Like people, he never went to, to the NBA. Yeah, he never left. Like he stayed in his his lane, and he did the best. He's made the best out of all. And every every era he's win, he's been in, he's won. That's very difficult to do, and I think that's the difference in what I would give him. The only reason I would give him the edge is because it's longevity. But if you put these two together, I'm gonna think. I would think now today. Coach Patino would probably win if you had a game out of say seven series, seven game series. Exact same I would type say roster. Same roster. I think Co- I think Coach Patino will win four three. So because it, it'll be a, a numbers game. And Coach Patino won last year when he won in twenty thirteen. How many NBA uh, lottery picks did they have on that team? Zero. Yeah. That's the first time in history you had no lottery picks on a national championship team. Hmm. And that's that's very difficult because he taught a bunch of young guys to play together to play hard, and that's how you win. And the year before they went to the final four. You know, they, they probably they, even had less NBA talent on that team. That team. So you looked at it and and you see what is it? Coach Coach K has always had an NBA guy on his team. True. Lottery pick. So he's always had talent. And the guys go there, Coach B. He's coaching Olympics. He's coached at different levels. That's why I give Coach K the edge. He's done it so long. Coach Patino's never coached the Olympic team. Mm-hmm. Coach K did that and won a won a gold medal. You know, you look at coaching, if you can coach the best players in the world and win, and then you can come and coach some young kids and win. I think that's coaching and it's the best. How you treat players and how you do X's and O's. And nothing against Coach Cal, but his X's and O's, since he was at UMass, has never been consistent. 
And, but he's a great guy. He's a great leader. He's a great recruiter. He's a great motivator. And that's a big part of college that's basketball, college basketball today. Exactly. So you can't really, so we can't, we can't really to, discredit him. I no. mean, that's if you're if you're picking one coach to build. It depends on exactly what the criteria of the list is. Yeah. If you have two exact equal teams, and you're saying who do I want to coach, coach K this team, coach you go Patino. with Coach K or Coach Patino. But Period. if you're talking about building and assembling a roster and getting the best talent out there, and and Really recruiting and getting all Coach, of that. Coach Cal wins. Coach Cal should be number one then. Absolutely. Probably. So. Ashley, does, how does I'm, that make you I'm not you disagreeing. Feel? I okay. think that's true. Um, I do agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> you, hate, you hate to. I hate to, but I do. Um, so my question for you guys, which I'm not going to answer because I'm not, but all-time greatest coach in history. Wow. As far as college or pros? Either. Pros, I would say uh, Popovich. If you talked about best coach, because if you looked in his era, he's coach players. He's X's and O guys. He taught them how to play basketball. And if you even go back to Adolph Rupp when he was, you know, making guys play basketball, he made them play stand-up basketball, pass it, cut. Then you looked at uh, Naismith who started basketball. Then you looked at um, Red Albrecht at Boston. He created a dynasty. Then you looked at – and nothing against Pat Riley, but when he had the Lakers, he had – Four Hall of Famers he did. every year. James Worthy was the number one overall pick in the in the NBA draft one year. So it's nothing against Pat Riley. I just don't think his X's and O's were needed and showed as much. And when we won in 2006, you had Gary Payton, Alonzo Mourning, Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade. I mean, you had four Hall of Famers. So to me, that's nothing against him. I just don't think he's been the type of coach that can coach anybody. He coaches the best star. Phil Jackson's coached superstars, which he's put you in a position to win. So if you're asking me, I would say – and only because of the years that I've seen it happen. Sure. I've never seen a coach coach a bunch of nobodies and beat a bunch of somebodies like Popovich has done in all five of his championships. And it goes back to Red Arbach, who they weren't playing a lot of people. And it goes back to Adolph Rupp, who was bit 25-0. and 0. They never came across to the West Coast and played. Yeah, it was a whole different era. Whole that, different that, that's era. tough to compare. The, it's very the tough. Lack of real parity out there at that time. There was like four schools who really paid a lot of <laughs> right. attention to basketball. UCLA so. never came to the East Coast and played. When Kareem won all those games, they never came over to the East Coast and played teams. That's very, very fair point. Um, I'll ask Derek, since you did play for Coach Pop, it, it, his brilliance in his being a mastermind is completely evident today, be, mm-hmm. especially being that just a few weeks ago they won the NBA championship over LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Was it clear to you when you played for him what type of a mastermind there, that you had on your hands that you were playing for? It was, but it was still a business, and that's what I didn't like about it. Like He he asked me to stay, to stay, to stay. Tim called me, and the general manager was trying to lowball me. And, and as I compared my life, I said, well, I want a six-year deal, and I can retire. That was what I said I was going to do. He said he didn't want to do it, and I was just like, okay, what's his business? So I know Popovich is a great guy and I want to learn from. So when I made the business decision, I realized that, you know what, that's what I had to live with. But when I was playing for Pop, best coach I've ever had from every standpoint. Coach Patino yelled a lot, but he understood X's and O's. He understood, you know, personalities, but he yelled a lot. Popovich, you've never seen this guy yell. If he yelled, it would be at the officials protecting you. Yeah. And that was the difference. And that was the only two differences I compared. I said, this guy's a player's coach. You know, like, he's going to let you play. You mess up. Come on. That's all right. I mean, he made a bunch of no-name guys into superstars just overnight. And that's what I look at. If you can coach guys the, the game of basketball, that's called coaching. Not leading, not recruiting. That's called coaching. So I think Popovich is just a mastermind of making sure everyone understands their, their game. And, and, and that's why I believe in him. So he, he gets your vote for greatest coach in the, in the history of the sport. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, I, 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 it's tough to argue. Who's your Who's your uh, pick? Um, wow. <laughs> when you take into consideration comparing eras, like we were saying, John Wooden, I mean, number yeah. of championships, but yeah, mm-hmm. as you said, he didn't go on the East Coast. Yeah, so I don't get to see him play against everybody. I can't deny his coaching talents. But, but obviously, but he's won, but yeah, I mean, he there had, wasn't even that many programs at that time competing against each other. So he had two of the best seven footers ever played. Tough for to argue with the vote for Greg Popovich. Phil Jackson deserves some credit for mm-hmm. being, you know, having done it with two different programs. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I, I don't know, Ashley. Yeah. Coach K, maybe? Maybe I'll give Coach K my vote? I don't mm-hmm. know. You can't Just lose. Switch it up. You can't, you can't lose. lose with guys like that. When you no, get to you that can't. level. It's a personal. And, and what's becoming apparent from this past year is Popovich belongs in that conversation regardless yeah. of whether you played for him. You personally know how brilliant he was. You mentioned the salary cap issues, which if I'm in the NBA and I'm not from San Antonio, realistically, I'd very likely try to get the most money I could, I would think. Um, something about San Antonio, they, they managed to get their guys to take less money. I'm looking at a list of the top highest paid players through the 2013-2014 season. Kobe Bryant's number one, Dirk's number two, Amari Stoudemire's number three. Something I don't see on here, maybe I'm missing it, no. is any San Antonio players... There we go. Tony Parker at number, at number 37. At 12 million. At 12 million, 500,000. I don't even see. Maybe I'm missing it. No, that's it. Tim I don't Duncan even see is 10 t- million. He's 10 million. I, okay. So, I mean, how the hell does that work? It's called believing in your coach. In, in liking where you live, I guess. Something's you know, going on it's there. It's called believing in that coach and that system. He can teach. Because you think about it. Besides Tim Duncan, those other two guys are decent players, but they're not superstars. I agree superstars. with you 100% on that. On, on that. Ginobili that- can't go to Miami Heat and do what he did. He would have to pass the ball. He couldn't get the ball in his hands. He couldn't go to New York and expect to win. Guys are not going to hit wide open shots. You know, like, there's just a difference. And when you're in a system like that, Man, you can't. You you you'll win, and it, and nobody on that team. And they all did. How many opted out? None of them. Tim opted in. Ginobili opted in. Boris so Diaw. Boris Diaw, who was cut from, I think the Bob. I think it was the yeah, Bobcats, Bobcats last they let year. Him go. They let him go. They said you you're chubby or something. Some Called reason. Coaching. They, they, he these guys just love where they're at. So that's uh, a very fair argument. Derek is is that Greg Popovich may be the greatest coach in the history of the sport. Yeah, in my era, you know, like I said, I that didn't see seen, John Wooden. I didn't see his X's and O's. Um, I didn't see those things. I saw him from the end from video, but to actually see with my own eyes, I've never seen a coach that could put a team together and play basketball that way. Pass, cut, move, screen, be polite. You know, be positive in, in the game. Don't lose your temper. You know, all that's those things. Thing. Is a, that's the whole thing. You look at the Clippers; they cry every play. And I like Doc Rivers, but he can't even control them because they're, they're already built into the system of crying. LeBron cries on defense and offense. <laughs> he never fouls anybody and he gets fouled every time. But he's one of the greatest players I've ever seen. So it's just a difference in coaching. You're right. Having an inside presence like Shaq or Tim Duncan, you know, when Shaq was there, he made guys like Rick Fox, who was a career journeyman, mm-hmm. into a, a three-point specialist. Because he was wide open. <laughs> I did his job. Just you, you got wide open shots, you step up and you hit them, and all of a sudden you're Manu Ginobili or Tony Parker. I'm not saying they're not good basketball players, right. but I, I think that, that Tim Duncan being there and his presence inside just really opens things up and changes the whole element of, of the team game. Mm-hmm. We are the Weekend Sports Buzz coming at you every Sunday from 10 until noon. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Ashley Miller, joined in studio today. 
by our man Derek Anderson. We've got plenty to talk about today. We may even get in some World Cup talk at some point as the U.S. plays against Belgium on Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. We're going to head to our first break. We'll be back with more weekend sports buzz. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick, coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon here on 1450 WXVW. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by our man, Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Brandon promotes justice. He promotes the truth. And what he does at the end of our show, about 10 till noon, he'll be calling in and correcting us on any factual inaccuracies we may have had. If he thinks it's just outlandish and crazy, uh, our list of who we think the greatest coaches are out there right now, he'll, he'll be sure to let us know about that. So we appreciate Brandon allowing us to be on the air each week. Plenty to talk about today. In the break, Derek and Ashley and I were, were talking about, you know, there's so many sporting stories out there, despite the fact that we're in an off season for college basketball and college football. Um, we have the Wimbledons going on. Um, Serena Williams lost on Saturday. Um, we have uh, Rafael, Rafael Nadal did advance. Major League Baseball, my Cincinnati Reds are doing well. So I'm always happy to talk about the, the Reds. NASCAR, we had a, uh, at the Kentuckiana Speedway. We had an event yesterday. I'm expecting a call from our man Carolina Steve. Starting to wonder maybe he's still on the road. We have, still haven't heard from Carolina. Or maybe he slept in today. Maybe he maybe had he such, a, so such a, a, a big night of partying that, that he's still sleeping. But the real storylines out there. Revol- I have a preference. Revolver on the NBA. Yes, yeah. Ashley, please. Of course, me being the Miami Heat fan that I am, would like to talk about what the heck's going on down there. So we know we talked about opting out earlier. We got LeBron, Chris Bosh, who I'm fine with opting out personally, <laughs> and Dwayne Wade, all free agents. Now we also got we know that LeBron James was partial to <clears throat> Shabazz Napier. That was an interesting. Who was just miraculously drafted to the Miami Heat? What do you think? Are they all staying? Are they just going to renegotiate the contracts or? Derek, what do you think? You what think happened? that you think it's the end of an era and it's time for LeBron to to bounce out of Miami and, and go find another place, maybe team up, team up with someone like uh, Dwight Howard in Houston and James Harden, <laughs> no. something like that? Or do you think that, that LeBron's going to stick with Pat Riley and stick with the Heat and Dwayne Wade and they're going to try to lure maybe another free agent to come into South Beach and to try to make another run at a title? I think if LeBron does stay there, even if they keep Bosch and Dwayne, I think they still need another piece. I think Dwayne's on his last legs. That's just my Literally. opinion. Derek, Derek what, do you, what do you think? What, what do you think's going on in LeBron's head? You remember what this whole thing conversation was when we first walked in? It was coaching? Yes. That's what LeBron needs. 
Spoelstra was rebounding the ball before he became a head coach. He was, that was a very interesting it's, path to being a head coach. It's the, the, and it's not a knock him as a person. He's just not a qualified coach. He's allowing these players to do whatever they want. They do this. They run by their team. They're, they're beating teams off of talent. It was almost like we did at Kentucky last year. We were beating the teams off of pure ball. talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have any backdoor plays. We don't have any significant plays. You're asking a guy to go one-on-one. So when he's not in the game, now you got to point your two point guards. They don't run any plays. So if you had a solid point guard like a Rajon Rondo on that team, that's the mm. piece that you need. You know, go to make a trade with, you know, that type of player. But I, I think LeBron's coming back. I think he's, he he likes his type of attention. You know, this is exciting for him. So he he's just doing this. And I think he's going to get more money because Joe Johnson shouldn't be making more than LeBron James. Yeah. And I think no. that's been the biggest key is get your money now. You're the star of Miami. You build around your team like you were doing. And, and you don't take a pay cut. You get your big money, and everyone else can do what they want to do. Because I thought Bosh – I'm thinking Bosch is going to Dallas. I think he wants to win a championship somewhere else, and he I don't think he wants to. He should go somewhere else. He should go somewhere else. But I think he's a great fit. You, honestly, if you if you'd have played Beasley and Bosch in the game, I think they would have gave Miami, I mean San Antonio, a lot better run because you'd have had less matchup dis, disadvantages. Well, that's Chris Bosch on a good day. But that's the thing. Like you, you don't know which day you're going to get him, so you got to use right. him now. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you know, if you got him sitting out shooting jumpers all night. You can't expect him to do well. You know what's interesting about Chris Bosch is. He's actually got a hell of a resume. Nine-time All-Star, all-time leading scorer in the history of the Raptors franchise. Maybe he's just not the best fit for being on such a, a big primetime stage. It's easy to shoot all the balls and lose games, too. <laughs> he did that at Toronto. They lost a lot of games. They did. They were never a, a, yeah, a good so, team for the so Raptors. It's like saying who's the leading scorer for the Clippers. <laughs> in all-time history, like you're not you're going to say a name. You're like, really? Or that Carmelo Anthony averaged 27 a game last year for the Knicks. Yeah, like you're not going to know that. And and again, that's the problem is the talent level so bad. Like they scored 81 points on Toronto, which Kobe did. Remember? Yep. You know, so it's not like they, that Toronto has ever had a, a great team. But I just think the difference in in this these guys opting out. I think they're really all just trying to find their own way to retire. They want to figure out where they're going to go and finally retire. They know this is their last goal. So. Where am I going to finish up at? These guys have supposedly been working uh, in, you know, together. I won't say colluding because that sounds scandalous, but they've been talking to each other since 2006 yeah. about teaming up. So they're, it's, it seems that, back. yeah, they're, they're working together on this decision. Ashley, being a Heat fan, my question for you, and I guess, Derek, you've been a hell of a, you have a ring. <laughs> yeah, mm. I'm a Heat fan. You're a Heat <laughs> fan. I think that'd be a safe statement. What piece would be the best piece for this team? Would it be someone like Tyson Chandler or maybe someone like Rajon Rondo? Or I mean, do they need a – I guess I'm asking, do they need a center or do they need a point guard? I'd say a point guard. I think guard. they need a point guard because um, Dwayne Wade is obviously with his knee issues and stuff like that. Like He can only go so hard for so long, I think. And I think the older he gets, the harder it's going to be and the less he's going to be able to play. So – I think it's smart to bring in a point guard to, I guess, in essence, be like an understudy, get some experience, get some game experience, and be able to run the team because, like I said, Dwayne Wade doesn't have much left in a tank. When and you, maybe it's not even that like he doesn't have much left, but his knees aren't going to let him go much longer. Right. Is he their point guard, though? Yeah, I mean, it, well, he, he was he, in 2006. I guess he, That's the thing. Okay. Remember, he was, he was That's LeBron right. when we won. Like, he, Gary he Payton went to the two. You could say he, he was, was the three. Yeah, so he was the point guard at the time. Gary you know, Payton so was the two. He moved him to the two. You know wow. what I mean? Because he, he didn't want him to handle the ball. He want, What LeBron do, does now is what they wanted Dwayne Wade to do in 06. Now he can't do that. 
Now he's supposed to be a spot-up shooter, and you see he's ineffective. Is you know? Shabazz Napier a good fit for Miami Heat? I think so. I just think you need someone veteran right now. Mm-hmm. That's my only thing. You you got two years left before everyone else starts to on their decline. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you can say he got four years of college. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's true. so he does have that experience. Yeah, that is true. I think he's a great fit. I think he's. I think he'll do really well. But I think you need a. I think you need a, a, a coach who's going to run plays. So if LeBron's not handling the ball, what other you gonna, what other plays you going to run? All Shane Battier does is spot up. Ray Allen comes off one screen. He, takes he doesn't get it. Shane Battier yeah, takes charges. Exactly. That's his <laughs> but thing. But yeah. offense, Shout what out, else you have? Yeah, true. Shout out to Shane Battier because that was my like model role model player when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad guy to to role model your game after. Right. He's old as hell and continually voted <laughs> one of the best teammates in the league. Yeah. This this league is so young and dumb though. I mean, guys could come what? out of retirement right now and play. Think about who's on people's roster. You trying to get in shape? No, not at all. <laughs> I couldn't stand just playing with these, some of these young guys. They're, they don't have any basketball IQ. How does Roy Hibbert have a guy 6'2 on him and the point guard, Hill, was dribbling the air out of the ball? <laughs> He's seven foot and he had a mismatch and he didn't throw him the ball. I was like, look at these guys. Then they switch back off. Who's watching the playoffs this year was almost horrendous, man. I mean, John Wall and those guys in Washington, they really played hard. But if they were playing against another team and – the 90s or the early 2000s, they would have got swept. You had no stability. You shot more jump shots. Like, we would have double-teamed John Wall, made him pass. You know, those are things that you you learn as a scout, as, as playing. But these guys nowadays, oof, brutal. Except for the Spurs. Except for the Spurs. They would have exploited <laughs> But I think, you honestly, I think if you get, like, a Rajon Rondo, even a Conley from Memphis, he would run a team. If you get a coach to run some good plays for the Miami Heat and give LeBron some breaks instead of dribbling the, the ball then for 48 minutes, I think you can be some guys. I think you can be some teams. Who was the, in your opinion, um, both of you guys, the Napier pick a random pick? Or was that a, we know LeBron loves this kid, <laughs> that might be a little bit of a, more of an incentive they, they to keep him down. on the roster. I, I, I right. think it was clearly accommodating to LeBron. He tweeted <laughs> out he was their favorite player in the draft this year. Right. And then they trade down to get him. Right. I think so, too. I mean, they had some other choices they could have got. Is that enough in itself to lure LeBron to stay in Miami, or, or is but that I, just icing on, on, the, on the top? You don't I think, think well, he wasn't going? He just wanted to get his money. Max like, max yeah. contract is what the reports coming out now are: is that he's going to get max max money, which yeah. he deserves. He deserves. He's the best exactly. player in the league. Yeah, so that's why I think he opted out. But the other two guys, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Do we think that? Of course, we all think that he was coming back anyway. Do you think, like, in addition to getting more money, he wanted to? Kind of build a roster of accessory players around him mm-hmm. too, and, and kind of that kind of forces their hand to bring other people. Will they be able to with him getting a max contract? Does that impact their ability to get Rondo or and keep Bosh? You don't think they need to keep Rondo? Why? Because he can't shoot. I don't like Rondo because he can't. <laughs> is it because he can't shoot? I just don't like. I don't think like personality he wise he would fit. Yeah, he, he does have a little bit of a reputation, doesn't he? He, has, he butted heads with Ray Allen, I think. He butted heads with. With Doc Rivers? Yeah. Is Rajon Rondo a, a t- I mean, he seems – I actually played against him at the YMCA one time, and he was – he takes everything so serious. Did you he cross him over, Kelly? No, he used <laughs> me. But, I mean, he seemed like he was really mad at me. He's a super competitive guy. Yeah. I don't think he fits with him, but I think I think for him to win a championship, I think he would calm down. I think he wouldn't clash heads. He would kind of lead. and. But you got to think, he, he, he was bumping head with Doc Rivers – yeah. And Doc's like the best player coach you could ever have. And that's why I say if you get a different coach in there, because Spolstra. Yeah, you think uh, Rajon Rondo will be respecting Spolstra? Nah. If you see Dwayne Wade get into his face, Dwayne Wade would have never gotten Pat Riley's face. 
Should Pat Riley come down and coach this team? Absolutely. You think he will? I, I doubt it, but I think he should. Yeah. I think I think that he's the only guy that can get a bunch of guys that come together and, and remain that way because he was he he he's he's proven that he he deserves respect. And guys didn't like him, you know. Guys who played for him said he was you know a certain way and arrogant and this isn't that. But you respect him because he knew the game, and I think that's what he does. He'll command that respect, and guys will have to like look at him totally different. But I think a Rajon, but again. There's other point guards you need. You don't need a center. Who you need to go center to guard against? Roy Hibbert's not going to give you 30 and 20. You're right. There's not so many great centers center? out there these yeah, days. So why chase your money for a center? Go get you a solid point guard and get you a couple role players on the bench, guys. But you got to run plays and you got to pass them the ball. You can't just expect LeBron to be there the whole game. Because soon as what happened when uh when he got cramped up at, at San Antonio. It was over. Chalmers got the ball because they didn't have any plays. Why wouldn't you get the ball to Dwayne Wade? Dwayne was mad, too. You see that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have been mad, too. Yeah, so if they don't get the, they don't get the right fit with the point guard and a couple bench guys, they they're, they're going to struggle again. How so? We talk about like a team like um, San Antonio and the system that they play, and how they have kind of done a masterful job of drafting guys and assembling players to fit the system. Mm-hmm. How would that San, the current San Antonio team, the team that just won World Championship, mm-hmm. compare? If they were matched up against some of the teams of like the nineties, well, like, I think I think they would like if they played the Lakers. You mm-hmm. look at the Lakers bench; they had some great players mm-hmm. on their bench. Even though Devin George was a good player, Rick Rick Fox was a good player. Mm-hmm. Robert Ory was coming off the bench. I right. mean, you had some solid players coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. So I think the nineties was just different. Guys who had. Everybody you had on the bench of the, of the Lakers team, mm-hmm. they had a name. They've played a they lot. They played four years of college. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> they played a couple years in the NBA, mm-hmm. not just one year in the D League, and then you came up and all of a sudden right. he's playing well. Like, But you looked at this San Antonio team, and they're playing against guys that never played. Mm-hmm. Like, besides the Miami Heat, look at the teams they've played. Like, everybody on the bench team in Oklahoma didn't play. The team they played before then, I forgot who it was, but a lot of them don't have bench players. Right. So, to me, if you don't oh, have – Bench players that are like nineteen year olds that yeah, exactly. no one knows who they are or no fundamentals, no no drive, no heart, no no, no basketball savvy. Exactly. So, and I think most of the guys that came from San Antonio, they had already played in other places. Mm-hmm. So, I just think it's a different era. This league now, you get, you getting one and dones or two mm-hmm. guys that come into the league and they sit on the bench for two or three years, mm-hmm. and then you expect them to play. Well, something something else that uh, bothered me or maybe confuses me um, watching the NBA draft is the abundance of teams that will draft like a player from another country mm-hmm. that signed a professional contract that can't even come over and play for at least two to three years. Sometimes I think they would say like three or four years. Like, okay, so this kid is 19. He just signed a contract for two years in like Lithuania or something. And he'll, he won't be able to come into the NBA for two more years. So you drafted this kid, you have the rights to him, but he's not even going to be able to play for you for another two or three years when you have all these other kids that are coming out of school that you could draft, potentially. I guess I never understood why would you – because I feel like that's a virtually new thing. Like, I don't remember. And you know why? It's because mm-hmm. the talent in college is so bad. True. You get no seniors in college. You get none of that. So what they're doing is we're going to make you stay in school for a few years and or go to where you're at and overseas. We're going to let you develop, and then you come back. Because mm-hmm. all these kids nowadays, they, they got tired of, of drafting them and saying they're terrible. Mm-hmm. So they say, we're gonna, they have to pay the guys that they draft from college. That's true. But if you're overseas, you don't have to pay them yet. You just How got about? the rights. We just and that's why now it's so so much more. They say, I'm tired of drafting all these college kids that don't know how to play. 
So what we're going to do is go overseas, let these kids play professionally and develop, and in two years they'll come over there, 20, 21, 22, mm-hmm. and they're like Tony Parker now. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, he's young, but he's played professionally for like five years. Mm-hmm. When you're getting a guy coming out of college, he's a sophomore, junior, he probably played 20 minutes a game, he averages 12 points, and he thinks he's because he's athletic he can play. Mm-hmm. But you tell him to run a backdoor play, he, he doesn't know what you're talking about. So now, and it's, and it's now. Like when we played, like Kevin Ollie, remember him from UConn? Oh, yeah. The coach, yeah. <clears throat> this guy played was for the drafted, Pacers. Yeah, drafted late in the, in the second uh, the second round. But he wound up playing like 10 years in the NBA because he knew how to play. Like Sebastian, like he knows how to play basketball. And that's why you're getting senior players. And, I, and that's another reason why I think someone like a Russ Smith, if he develops, he'll last. Okay. You know what I mean? If he can develop the NBA style. Can we style, make sure that was recorded? He, yeah, yeah. Can we hear you say that again? Can we yeah, hear you say that, that one more time? No, I can't say his name twice in one day. <laughs> but I think I think that's the difference. These NBA owners and managers saying, there's so much terrible talent in basketball. Let's the, get some guys overseas who are playing professionally. Like the Exum kid, he's playing professionally. Right. So when Australia. he comes over here, mm-hmm. he's already played professionally. He'll understand that the competition level is higher than college. And the job. Too, probably exactly, and he'll be respectful because college basketball right now, man, it's struggling it's so bad. I mean, you you'd have never seen. It's just bad, man. It's so, really if you bad. were to vote um, both you guys on how long kids had to play in college before they could put their into their name into the draft, would you say two years, three years, four? Well, I think I would do at least two straight college years. Mm-hmm. But if you yeah. try to avoid that, you'd have to be at least yeah. 21. Mm. You so, know, if you try to go to prep school. Right. Or prep school or, like, the guys that would say, okay, I don't want to go to college, so I'm just going to yeah. go play overseas. Yeah. You still have to be you 21. You still have to be 21. If you don't go to college for two years and You'll develop, you know, you can't you can't just come straight to the NBA. If you try to go to prep school and then you're 19, nope, you still got to wait till you're 21. If you go overseas and you're 18 or 19, you can't come back until you're 21. Because what we're getting is bad quality people and players. Mm-hmm. So if you can get these kids at least be 21 or you can get them to be, you know, two years in college, I would hope three years. But, I mean, some guys are two years. Like a Chris Webber, when he was second year in college, what else could he do? Right. Like he's dominated. He's mm-hmm. plus showed There's that I deserve like it. an exception. Exception, exactly. If somebody like LeBron James in college is like. Two years, come on. The third year would have been a waste of time. Right. <laughs> so two years. Or a risk for injury. So, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Because, I, I mean, I guess if you think, like, people are at 21, like, you can't drink, so you shouldn't be a millionaire. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Like, that's what I'm saying. You give it an 19-year-old eight, 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 who has never had a, a check in his life in his name, and all of a sudden you tell him, here, go do something with it. What do you think he's going to do with it? And then when it's gone, what do you think he's going to do? He has no education, no job training, no skills, no people skills. Nothing. Yeah, but if you're 21, coach is going to teach you a lot of life lessons. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to go through some things at a young age with not a lot of money, so you're not at risk with a lot of problems. Right. We are the Weekend Sports Buzz. Ashley Miller and myself, Kelly Patrick, joined in studio today by the, the legendary Derek Anderson. <laughs> Got plenty to talk about today, including all sorts of storylines in the NBA. World Cup coming up on Tuesday. If you have any input or questions maybe for Derek or Ashley or I, please give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line. We're going to head to the buzz line now. we got our man Chris, who knows a thing or two about, not only is he a Kentucky basketball fan, but he, he also knows a thing or two about the, the sport they call football and soccer in the World Cup. Chris, are you there? Kelly Patrick. How are you doing this morning, Chris? How you doing, sir? Doing great. We appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks for calling in. Um, we have Derek Anderson in studio. It, 
I would feel like we're selling short our country if we didn't at least briefly, and Ashley, you or Derek, feel free to chime in with any any questions or comments about... I'll probably have questions. Okay. Any questions you have, Chris should be able to answer them. But Chris, they say that the United States has a soccer game coming up this upcoming Tuesday. Is that right? (laughs) You're correct about that for sure. Okay. And they're playing against Belgium. Is Belgium any good? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. What did you say? I'm sorry, is Belgium, the team the United States is playing against, is Belgium a good soccer team? Uh, Belgium is pretty good. Yeah, they're uh, top class in defense, but USA can take them for sure. Chris, can you um, ex- do some explaining kind of at the beginning? Because I know a lot of people, uh, myself originally included, were kind of confused as to how the whole World Cup thing works. Um, I have one of my best friends um, play basketball in Europe for a couple of years, so she kind of broke it down to me and explained how there's like the two separate rounds and you have to do the round robin, and then you, if you advance, you kind of go into this tournament thing. So could you kind of explain a little bit like actually how the World Cup works and then what happens from here? Absolutely. Uh, about six months before the World Cup starts, they have a blind draw, so... There's four, I think about eight four-team quads. So you got three teams in your quad, and you play each one one time. So a win is worth three points, and a tie is worth one point. So in the U.S.'s case, they tie with Portugal, and they tie with points. They had four points apiece. The deciding factor to move on to the next round, there's two teams that move on, and it's on goal differential. Who scores the most goals? So then that, those two teams from now spots go, and they they go into the round of 16. So that's where we're at right now at the round of 16, which is actually now where it's do or die. So if you lose, you're out of the World Cup. Is that right? What's that now? If the United States loses on Tuesday, they, they go home. Yeah, they go home. And the good thing is, though, surviving the group of death actually gives them a better opponent's Tuesday in the round of 16. So Belgium is a not the class that Portugal is. They're not the class that Germany is. And I mean, they're probably on par with the Ghana. So I like her chances, actually. Der- Derek, will you be watching the World Cup on Tuesday? Absolutely. Okay. Have you been watching the, the games thus far? We catch them. We were at camp most of this week, and the week before we were scheduled, we were out, but <clears throat> I always catch it at highlights and stuff like that on the planes. We'll be trying to. It's watch cool. It. It's I, I've noticed cool, something man. that Chris, uh, Chris, and I were talking the other day. Something we were talking about was athletes seem to gravitate toward. Maybe it's the international flavor to it, and how Kobe Bryant was raised in Italy, and even guys who are from here, um, they like the idea of going overseas and, and knowing people from other cultures and things like that. But. The, the, the top athletes from basketball and baseball and football, even if they're from the United States, they seem to really be soccer fans. Well, what it was is we all support people who, who work hard. You know, that's a human trait. If you see someone fighting against odds and, and coming together as a group and, and, and playing hard together, we always support that. People watch a movie and support yeah. it because it's a support people who working hard. And these soccer guys, I mean, they, they working hard. They like, that's like that's a like a, Yeah, they, <laughs> but not only that, you see these guys putting in work that we've been putting in, but we're getting all the fame. Yeah. You know, so as an athlete, I'm saying, man, this is respectful. I'm, I'm seeing what this guy's doing. Like, I got to respect this. So I'm going to support him. I'm going to tell everybody to support him. That's what athletes do. We don't care what sport it is. And everybody wants to play a different sport because they think they're good at it. But yeah. when we look at soccer, man, everyone who plays sports, we's like, 
these guys, we can't compete with them. And people say, well, man, we don't, we don't have a great soccer team. Yes, we do. We're just playing against the top players in the country every time. Well, we get to play against some, get some bums, like, you know, <laughs> sometimes. But these guys are giving their all, and we support them, man. Every, every athlete I've seen on Twitter, man, has been supporting soccer this year. Exactly. That's Everybody. my point, exactly. Chris, yeah. it, how significant is the United States advancing to the knockout stage for the health of soccer in the United States? How significant is that? Oh, it's absolutely huge, and I'm glad I got to hear uh, DA's opinion on soccer. It's awesome. Uh, even uh, four years ago, even, the backlash of soccer in this country is still soccer. It's kind of an ignorance-type thing, but now nobody can say anything that LeBron James and regularly Reggie Bush, there's all these guys that are actual fans of soccer, and it's absolutely stunning to me. But USA moving on now gives them some credibility going forward. You know, now the world powers... I think maybe even as early as two or three years ago, before we got Jurgen Klinsmann, Germany in the World Cup, that might have been a three to four nothing loss for us. One nothing loss for us is a great result. We're, we're closing the gap between the world powers in the United States and the popularity. Wow, I mean, I've seen videos from Chicago. It's insane. No, no question about it. It's certainly very topical and at the top of everyone's tongue right now. Chris, we really appreciate No, oh, before I let you go, Chris, any other questions, Ashley? I mean, uh, Derek, um, I know Michael Bradley, I know Landon Donovan was did not, um, did, didn't make it. Yeah. So the, the names that I know, the, those ho, Josie Altador, um, and then the other guy, Dempsey, I know him. Yeah. So the, the, the number of people who I know who are soccer players in the United States that list is expanding. My, my knowledge is growing a little bit. I still don't completely understand the sport. Well, all I know is I hope that the channel that it's on in English works this time <laughs> because <laughs> know, right? we're trying to watch it. Uh, we're trying to watch the last game, actually. Or not the last game, the game, the second game. I don't remember who we're yeah. playing against. Um, but only the Spanish station would work. Like, you couldn't. How um, horrible is that? It right. was terrible. So I was like, Direct I don't TV. really. I'm trying to learn and understand. I'm, Soccer Time Warner, I'm sorry. Time Warner right. dropped the ball there. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I, think, I hate Time Warner. <laughs> yeah. I think, you remember the Little League when they started winning? Yeah. And everyone started following them more because they were from Louisville. Remember that team? Yep. Oh, yes. And that's how soccer just did to us. Mm-hmm. When you win and you play together. Exactly. It draws us it all draws in. It draws us back in together as a family. We're all we on should. the same team, and it's yeah. a super cool uh, yeah. patriotic yeah. type thing. And it, it's almost like nothing them, else. Man. We should always support each other. Mm-hmm. When the wrestlers went to the Olympics and they were talking about the stories, like, these guys give their all, man. You can't just single out one group of sports and not expect the, the United States to stick together. we got to stick together forever, even no matter what happens in the past. From this point on, if we stick together, now your players are playing for like not just their company, not just for, for their team, but for the world. Mm-hmm. You know, now you got football, basketball, all of them support. You know how good that feels to have that much support on you? When I was in the Olympics, we had other football guys. We had everybody. They were cheering for us. So I felt like, man, i got a bunch of people that depended on me. I can give, my, give more than I thought I had. And I think that's what we need to do for the soccer players, man. I'm excited to watch this. When were you in the Olympics, Derek? 92, 93. When we played, we practiced against the Dream Team, and then we had the Junior Olympics. That's right. Okay, wow. Yeah, I was, was going to say, wow. I have to almost draw back to the Dream Team and, and uh, you know, Jordan and, and Magic and Charles Barkley and Larry Bird uh, to think of all, all the guys on those teams, to think of this type of a situation where the entire country is really embracing a team yes. like this. Yes, that's exactly what it feels like, the 92. And, Kelly, there's an interesting dynamic hanging in the balance right now, if you don't know. What's that? 
the actual 2022 World Cup is probably about to be stripped from uh, Qatar, and the likely destination is USA. Wow. So in I eight see. years, it could be in the USA in eight years, which would be absolutely incredible. That would be amazing. Yes. <laughs> Does the United States advancing to the knockout stage of this World Cup, does that positively impact our chances of landing the World Cup in twenty in eight years? If we support it. You think so? Yeah. If we support like we're doing now, they'll feel like, hey, we'll get the superstars to come support once we bring them here. But if we don't, well, I don't know. Excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, it's just we have the infrastructure here already to put the World Cup here as a lot of countries will have to build about eight more stadiums. Mm-hmm. So the fallback plan in the United States is a great plan for the FIFA because, like I said, we have the infrastructure. We can plan the tournament right now without having to put $1 into it, so... We're in a good position. It's a really, really exciting. I think it's going to happen, too. Would you say that, um, especially now, soccer is on the rise in the USA? Because you think even, like, Louisville is now getting the pro soccer team that's coming in um, next spring. Is that, like, the new sport that kids are now going to be asking their parents to play above basketball and football? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I've been on Twitter for at least four years now, and I know – the backlash for soccer, and even with other sports stars, it was more of an ignorance thing like soccer's for, you know, sissies or whatever that is, <laughs> you know, all the all the stereotypes. But now, even Reggie Bush, he's been tweeting about the U.S. men's national teams for at least two or three years. And to have LeBron James and Kobe Bryant tweeting about soccer, now when you're at the water cooler or you're at school, you know, <laughs> Soccer can't be denied at this point because these pop cultural athlete stars are actually into the sport like I've never seen. And it's, it's thrilling to me being a soccer fan, but like I said, DA and all these guys, they do have respect for these uh, athletes. And it's just a beautiful tournament, beautiful game. That's true. I say, if nothing else, these guys are in shape. Yeah, golly. Like crazy shape. I went to one soccer game in my life as um, when I was Miss UofL, I went to a UofL soccer game, and that was the thing that blew me away. Like, these guys run for 90 minutes straight. <laughs> right. And the best thing is with the ESPN coverage, when somebody gets subbed out now, it actually tells you how far they ran. That's oh, wow. actually yeah. Really, yeah, that's, a really cool thing. That's awesome. Do you think you never see, you always talk about, like, players, like, with weight issues, playing basketball and football. Like, there are no overweight soccer players in the <laughs> world. That's right. <laughs> World class big guys, yeah, it's absolutely, yeah, they they train, 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 and like I said, DA and all those guys know it's, it's this sport is it's brutal, yeah, absolutely. Brutal. Mentally and physically. Absolutely. Chris, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Um, we look forward to hopefully maybe we'll have you back on next Sunday with your expertise as as hopefully the United States wins uh, this upcoming Tuesday. Thank you very much, Chris. Have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy the match. I think that's what you call it, the match on Tuesday. Thank you, Chris. Kelly, thanks for the opportunity, buddy. Good stuff there. It's good to hear, you know, uh, I'll plead ignorance there, guys. I, that's not my area of expertise. Someone had to explain to me what offsides was just a few months ago. Well, my question was after the uh, the second game that we played what, that we ended in a draw was why did they add extra time on the clock? Because once the 90 minutes was over, I was like, oh, yeah, we won. And I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Why are they playing, why are they playing extra minutes? I thought it was done at 90. So yeah. I like literally I texted my girlfriend and said, okay, so what is this extra time on the clock? Because, you know, like basketball being a basketball player is like once the time's up, 
unless we're tied up, game's over. So that was interesting. I think it has to do with... learning curve. Oh, yeah. It's completely... Everything's different from the way they they list the score on the top of the screen Mm -hmm. a little bit differently. Uh, It's a a running clock, and the the refs say, well, there's this many fouls. Right. I think they need six extra minutes. Right. It's almost arbitrary. The injury time, too. That's right. Injury time. I saw a cartoon, which was really funny, Kelly. Um, it said it was a guy sitting on a couch in between a crying basketball and a crying football. They were watching the World Cup. And the guy was telling them, don't worry, guys. It only happens every four years. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing is after the, the World Cup goes away, is there any momentum that carries over? Are we going to now all of a sudden pay attention to the Major League Soccer? Maybe. Maybe a little more. And I think especially depending on how well the USA does, if they advance and advance and advance. What if they won the like, World Cup? Then soccer is like that'd, that'd the be like superpower win- of yeah, sports super now. <laughs> that'd be like winning the entire the king of the entire world. What if world? LeBron James retired from basketball and became a soccer star? <laughs> Other guys, maybe Rajon Rondo or Chris Paul. Uh, I would go with Tony Parker. Tony, Tony Parker. 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 Yeah, Tony you know Parker. what? Gorky Jang. Gorky was a soccer yeah, player. A goalie. Have Gorky yeah. be a goalie. Heck oh, yeah. He would block everything. We can put together hits. an all-star They're team all- on our own. <laughs> We're Let's gonna, do that USA soccer team from the NBA. From the NBA or yeah. maybe uh, Darren Sproles from the NFL or, you know, so many different guys in the no, NFL. Football guys who forget the soccer and start tackling each other. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> yeah, we got to watch those guys. A, a little bit more finesse. Yeah. We're, we're going to head to a break here. Be sure to stay tuned to the Weekend Sports Buzz on 1450 WXVW in studio with the legendary Derek Anderson. <laughs> stay tuned. Mercedes, my baby mama harder than a lot of you ninjas. Keep it 100, hit the lottery in the nearest. You ain't by that life and got a lot of me ninjas. You know it's to the death. I hope it's I be the ninjas. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. As many of you know, the 11 o'clock hour means it's time for Ashley's Loco Cinco, where our very own Ashley Miller breaks down the five craziest stories in the world of sports. So with no further ado, Ashley's crazy. I was waiting for that. (laughs) All right, well, here's my top five crazy stories today. And I think we had a similar story like this one around the time of the NFL draft. Um, but this one starred the NBA, NBA draft pick, Rodney Hood, who apparently spent, how much you want to think, guys, in jewelry. He spent a certain amount of money in jewelry before the draft even Jeez. happened. Give me a number. God, that's sad because he wasn't even like a lottery pick. Right. right. <laughs> I would say 20000 20, More. Jeez. Um, $80,000. $80,000. Really? God. He spent $80,000. So apparently the day before the draft, the 21-year-old Rodney Hood hit up, I guess this is called Raffaello and Company in New York City. He picked up a $50,000 diamond-coated stainless steel, some kind of Bentley watch. Wow. Um, he also dropped another 30000 
on an 18 karat gold and diamond bracelet with princess cut and round diamonds. Um, apparently, he wasn't the only person who did a pre-draft jewelry spree. Clean Anthony Early also went to the same store and got a $62,000 Raffaello yellow gold watch and a Cuban How is this public knowledge? That's my question. Bracelet. I, I guess know. when you have the, 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 the microscope on you, you probably know that if you go spend a lot of money, people are going to talk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, that's why he was so mad he didn't get drafted early. Because he, <laughs> he spent $80,000 he's got paid back. <laughs> so, Derek, when you got drafted, your pre-draft day, did you go spend sixty, dollars no. $80,000, $20,000? No. I wore my uncle's watch. Mm-hmm. I got a suit, one suit. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a car. I had a truck that I already had. It was a lease for $300 a month. My mm-hmm. uncle George helped me out with. And that's what I went to the draft with. A suit, someone else's watch, mm-hmm. and that's it. I didn't. When my first check I got, I wound up getting uh, two hundred fifty thousand. Was my first NBA check. The came down after taxes was one hundred twenty-seven. I put twenty thousand to start my company. Another twenty for my foundation. I and I got an apartment. Hmm. So, had you had spent eighty thousand dollars on jewelry, you would have already have, been broke. I would have forty thousand dollars to live off of. So maybe that's why Rodney Hood wasn't so happy and Clee Anthony early that he fell down a little bit out of uh, mm-hmm. the lottery pick. Kelly, being the resident thug that you are. Yeah, I have a, di- <laughs> I have a different perspective on this. Can you give us your perspective? Are they spending too much li- money on I would, li- I would like to think that I wouldn't do that. At the same time, being realistic, it's tough to really put yourself in shoes like that. Derek, you obviously, from an early age, it sounds like you had a good head on your shoulders with stuff like that. But it makes sense. Like, were, you, were you shaking your head at your counterparts who were, I mean... You don't have to use names, but I'm sure there was guys that were drafted that same year who did some real dumb stuff. Were you shaking I your head? I didn't see at, any of them. You did, oh, you didn't? No, it was like 97. We didn't think like these kids. These kids are trying to be commercial. We were worried about getting to the NBA. My guys, when we got drafted, we had the same things. Our guys didn't spend anything until they got it. Who were like some of the guys up, you were drafted with? In Tracy night? McGrady, Tim Duncan, Chauncey Billups, Ron Mercer, Keith Van Horn. Um, Danny Fortson at Cincinnati. I mean, we had some great guys that got drafted. You know, uh, got drafted, and no one spent money. Everyone came. No one drove. You know, we had a rental vans that we came to the draft with. We didn't fly everybody, our family. We drove from here to Charlotte. Hmm. You know, so we all was you know cost efficient. We were like, hey, we don't have a check yet, so why are we spending? But today's kids is let me get on Instagram and. Let me show everybody I got some bling, mm-hmm. and that's how people are going to think I'm, I've made it. And God, we, we did so, it. That's sad because that's it's what I probably, told you. probably difficult to uh, it's come back from think. those type of dumb situations. Because then I think if you Pretty you start habits. that image exactly, yeah. you start that image, you go on stage drafted with a fifty thousand dollar bracelet or yep. a, uh, watch on your wrist, mm-hmm. then. Where do you live? Like you can't get a fifty thousand dollar bracelet and move into an apartment. Yeah, you have no choice. <laughs> he can't get a house. Like you don't have any credit. You straight out of college. Yeah, you know? or, or you get a fifty thousand dollar bracelet and then you get robbed, robbed a week later. Yeah, mm-hmm. or you on. get shot or something over yeah, it. I it's mean, that's foolishness. That man. just really? seems like a really, really that's bad a day decision. And time age. Remember, I told you if you don't have anyone leading you and telling you, that's the problem that you have. Like mm-hmm. someone, no one advised him. Obviously, clearly, you would. I would assume coming from Duke, but maybe I shouldn't assume. No, you no can't. it's not. I shouldn't yeah. assume that. Yeah, because kids leave. Once they leave, they'll do whatever they want. You know, they don't. Sad. It is sad. Very sad. Well, <laughs> all right. Story, story number, number two. two. Um, at least this guy seemed he was a little bit more focused on what he wore, like 
his clothes versus jewelry. Um, you guys might have heard there's been a lot of discussion about the suit that Andrew Wiggins wore yeah. to the NBA draft. Have you seen it? Did mm-hmm. you see it? Yeah. Uh, we'll have to find a picture. For I'll, I'll bring Gray. it up right now. Um, apparently, the question was, what do Andrew Wiggins and Corella DeBille have in common? <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, apparently their outfit, right? Their Jeez. Outfit. Uh, they both wanted Dalmatian print pattern jacket. So apparently, um, the the jacket that Andrew Wiggins wore with all the like squiggly lines and weird looking stuff was originally supposed to be a Dalmatian print jacket. But um, so his stylist, his personal stylist, said that um, Andrew has like his own personal style. And they wanted to step it up a bit. Um, they wanted to, him to set be set completely apart, and they wanted him to look like. Completely different than any other player that was being drafted, which I'm thinking they were successful with. Um, but apparently the outfit and the jacket didn't go as planned. Um, it was originally supposed to be a Dalmatian print jacket, um, <laughs> but the yeah, the 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 pad or the fabric was sold out. So they were really upset. They tried to go to like an upholstery fabric store looking for fabric for furniture couches, floral <laughs> print, like all this other stuff that they said was too much. So they ended up with this jacket that they fell in love with. And um, the designer says the jacket gave him confidence and that he looked like the number one pick. He felt like the number one pick. So he became the number one pick. Uh, but apparently, this because this jacket has caused such uh, hoopla, um, his camp said that he's considering auctioning off the suit for charity, but they haven't officially decided. So That'd be good to make something bad into something good. Well, <laughs> apparently, they still think it was like the best thing ever. The suit? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, you know, the, the suit doesn't necessarily cost any but more you, if it's did you flashy. See the, were you able to see the pants? Like they were yeah, short, them, like yeah, short yeah, pants. That too. just makes a statement. I don't have a problem with that. That's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Where, how, where, my question is, how long, suit how ever, as far as I'm concerned. Six, seven? Six, seven. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe, maybe they didn't have enough fabric for the pants. It, it may have been super <laughs> expensive, but I mean, even if that was like, what, $5,000? Yeah, I would uh, say you're not, he's not, he didn't pay more than that for that. He's listed at six, eight. Yeah. Yeah, so it's who who is listed six eight? Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins? No, he's like an inch, maybe an inch taller than me. Oh yeah, have you have you met Andrew Wiggins? Yeah, I gave him his award when he was in a Kentucky uh, camp thing uh, two oh, years okay. ago. I gave him his an award when he won the high school when the twins were down and uh, forgot where we were at, but I gave him his award. Got a picture next to him. wasn't that tall at all. I'm uh maybe I'm missing something, but he's the number one pick. I yeah. should come back and play basketball. That's maybe. what I was going to ask you, Derek. Do you think he, he's a, a legit superstar type? caliber player because most of the re- reporting recruiting reports that i've heard have him more pegged a in, is it maybe a, yeah almost like a athletic role player yeah not, i mean yeah somebody who, who sure very athletic one of the best athletes in the league yeah, but not that's going to carry your team on offense no especially you went to a team that has a guy who has the ball already so he's going to have to fill in the role and just play you remember how many points he had his last game of his college career not many. Six. Six. Wow. And he's the number one pick. That's and amazing. And this is by Cleveland, who drafted a guy at UNLV that no one ever heard of. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really shock us that, that Cleveland drafted like that. But who, you know, who, who would you have taken? I would easily took uh, uh, Randall. Oh, okay. I need a power forward who can score. That's true. Like, I got Kyrie Irving. I got a pick and roll player to roll with me. Like, what else would you want? You're young. You're filling the lane. Even a Jabari Parker. But Jabari Parker is a player who needs the ball. He's, he's going to have to handle so to me, I would get a guy who doesn't need to handle the ball, but I can pick and roll with my, my, my point guard who's the best in the league. Mm-hmm. 
why wouldn't you get a big guy who can pick and roll? He can play offensive, and you looked at Julius Randle, his whole game is attacking. Mm-hmm. If you go get a two-guard who averages six points, and now you're going to have him shooting more balls. You got Waiters who's already on your team who shoots all the balls. So how are you going to have three guys that shoot all the time? Mm. And I just think that's Cleveland, though. I mean, why are we shocked that Cleveland picked like that? I just think that if my la- if I got a player and he's be a top draft pick and he had six points his last game, I'm going to look and say, you know what? I don't need this guy right now. I can get him later. Yeah. But maybe I'm missing something. Everybody's pumping him up. When I saw him play, he still didn't impress me. Through his whole college career, he didn't impress me. It's a, it's a really weird draft. I've heard people say this is one of the best drafts in years. But I've also heard people say maybe a weak draft. Andrew Wiggins... And then you got Jabari Parker at number two, who supposedly gained about 25 pounds of weight. Uh, how, how great is Jabari Parker? I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, I he, think, he's, I think he's that's what they're talented. looking at. I who think who people... would you compare him to? Maybe a Glenn Robinson <laughs> senior type guy or, or something like more of a post player than that? He was an Antoine Walker with more athleticism. Okay. You remember Antoine Walker bad. with a 6'8", bringing the ball up? Cybertron, yeah, with oh the Magic, Magic a, Johnson 2.0 at one yes, point. Yes, he used to attack you and attack you, and but he'd bring it up. You couldn't steal it. He'd post you up. he hit an open jumper. He reminded me of him. This is a slimmer version, more athletic. And that's who – him or Randall's the top players. I think that's what the draft is talking about. You got better top players. Because last year's draft was funny. Like, you never would have known uh, Michael Carter-Williams from uh, Syracuse would have played as well. No, I wouldn't. You I wouldn't, wouldn't have projected that. him yeah, as doing as well as exactly. he did. No. That's what I'm saying. But this year, everyone's projecting so much more athleticism in the draft. That's what they're banking on. But it's it's the last probably six years drafts have been kind of funny watching. But I think Jabari's – him and him and Randall's probably the better two players in the draft that I'll see. And Shabazz, I think he'll do well because he's going to be on a good team. All right. Story number three. Story number three. So for the first time since um, he publicly accused her of secretly aborting their unborn twin babies. Oh, my God. Floyd Mayweather (laughs) came face-to-face with his ex-girlfriend, Chantel Jackson, on Thursday night. Apparently, Miss Jackson, Jackson, um, they were both, well, she was hanging out at this, it was a 15-anniversary party somewhere in Hollywood. She was having a good time until she noticed Floyd strutting in with his new girl on his arm. Oh, damn. Um, So, um, in case you forgot or had not heard the history between Mayweather and Jackson, Floyd um, apparently went ballistic on Instagram about her last month saying the reason that they broke up was because she aborted um, his children, writing she killed our twin babies, and that's why we really broke up. Um, so he also trashed her on the radio, calling her a broke, pl- plastic surgery obsessed fame whore. Wow. And um, so apparently Floyd, Love how it's noticed, all made public, all public wow. by Instagram. <laughs> 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 but uh, apparently, when he noticed her on Thursday night, his reaction was kind of unexpected. Um, he tried to get her attention from across the club, also keeping in mind he had his new girlfriend on his arm, um, waving and motioning at her while she kind of stood off in the corner trying to ignore him. Soon afterwards, his new girlfriend tried to stop him from motioning at the old girlfriend, and eventually, like, they just suddenly left the club. So I'm confident that the girl was pretty pissed. Um, Mm -hmm. But then he takes the girl, the new girlfriend, on a big shopping spree, which I'm sure was not necessarily an accident, spent $70,000 on her jewelry, so that she was blinged out for the BET Awards this weekend. So apparently they spent $30,000 at Saks Fifth Avenue, and then he took her to some jewelry store in downtown Los Angeles and dropped another 40000 in the Diamond District. Mm-hmm. Is that a, like, big, I'm sorry because I brought you out and I'm still trying to get up my ex-girl God, from across I, the club while you're I on guess. bar? 
It's another example of once you spend that much money, uh, whoever worked at the store, or I guess that's the only way I know that those numbers go public, right? right. Yes, yeah, about it. And mm-hmm. the, the ignorance of some of these people, it should be exploited because eventually they'll have to wake up and read something that says, you know what, that was pretty stupid. Yeah. Because, I mean, what he does, and he's not a bad guy. I've met him several times. Great guy, very, you know, speaks to you, mm-hmm. very intelligent. But the stuff he does is just like, wow. Yeah. Whew. Amazing. It is. Um, story four. Apparently, Evelyn Lozada, I don't know how to say her name, she uh, made some public shots uh, at Chad Ochocinco. Interesting. So, the bas- basketball wives star, Evelyn, uh, who is currently now engaged to LA Dodgers superstar Carl Crawford, that was hanging out in the GNC in Beverly Center for whatever reason. And um, she was talking to the media because they asked, I guess, to see her ring. So she flashes this 14 and a half carat diamond ring that her new fiance gave her and then says, Chad Ochocinco couldn't do half of this. Wow. <laughs> Cla- classy lady. Right, very classy. <laughs> so apparently, um, but the, the oh. fact of the matter is Chad gave her in 2010 a 10 carat ring. But... Apparently, her new man outdid him, so she had to publicly. That's too bad. Chad didn't have the same kind of money that Carl Crawford does. What does that really say about her? It says to me that Chad Ochocinco and Carl Crawford, for whatever reason, are mixed up with a girl they shouldn't be mixed up with, right? Yeah. I would think right then, I mean, what the hell? Yeah, Chad should probably be saying, whew, got out of that one. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to even talk about some of some of the athletes and some of the, the women that they deal with. I can't imagine. It's it's so ignorant. They always say, "Well, I didn't see this coming," but you just knew what she just did to the last guy. How did you not see that coming? Yeah. And then and if something goes wrong in this relationship, he'll come out and be like, "Well, she didn't act that way with me." Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like a t- a two year old saying, "Well, he was talking to in class." Yeah. I feel like anybody so on Basketball Wives. Yeah, I was going to say Basketball Wives. Hip Hop, any of those shows, like you can go ahead and guess that they're going to be ratchet. Yeah. So yeah. you would, I would you get think what you so. deserve. You probably know, have a whole different perspective on that type of people. You know, let me think. Monty Williams, I think maybe his wife was on there. Um, a, a lot of seemingly respectable guys, and maybe they have good marriages. I, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's tough to really say. Some of the, the women on there handle themselves much worse than some of the others. But if, you're and, not and if handsome, they're getting paid for it, then yeah. I mean it's hard to really hate but it, on. No, but it, come it on, man. Your, <laughs> your relationship is your relationship, not the world. So yeah. when you start to put yourself out there and you and don't don't expect it to change, you know, you're gonna these these relationships are amazing to see. It's almost like it's comical. You can tell it's been written and scripted, but man, they make it believable that they're ignorant. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, like, when you watch it day in and day out, like, sometimes you're like, okay, they're acting. But I don't think they can act that well, oh, that yeah. like, consistently that right. well for over this amount of time. <laughs> like, they're just crazy. No, they're not crazy. They're just, they're just uh, television junkies. They'll do whatever they can to make themselves that way. Well, I guess. Story number five. Story number five. Did you guys hear about the um, the girl, Hope Solo, the soccer player? I did, yeah. You her domestic it? assault yeah. issue. So apparently her she's nephew, a, I think. Yeah, she's apologizing for this domestic violence incident from the weekend that resulted in her arrest. Um, she issued a statement, dun dun dun, on Facebook, <laughs> on Facebook, um, apologizing to her friends and teammates and coaches, marketing partners, and the entire U.S. soccer and Seattle reign 
football communities for her involvement in a what she called a highly unfortunate incident. She writes, I take seriously my responsibility as a role model and sincerely apologize to everyone I have disappointed. Talking about her family, she said, I love my family dearly. We, like all families, have our challenges, but my sincere hope is that we're able to resolve the situation as a family. Adversity has always made us stronger, and I know the situation. this situation will be no different. Um, she was arrested in Seattle on Saturday for beating up her sister and nephew, who's only 17. Wow. So maybe she just shouldn't say anything. Right. Yeah, you, you wonder sometimes, instead of issuing a, an apology... You should just... You maybe just leave it to the imagination. Because for all we really knew, you know, maybe she was set up. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we don't know exactly what happened. But if you come out and say, you know, yeah, we all have our troubles. Don't judge me, you know. And then, I mean, I feel like, yeah, every family has every fa- Everybody assaults their 17-year-old nephew. Yeah, their sisters up and their nephews. I'm not really feeling that one. <laughs> While drunk at like 3 in the morning. Seriously. Happens right. to everybody. Right. Yeah, it happens all the time, and we're just, this is going to make happens us Happens to me last weekend. And, you know, it's adversity. We're going to overcome it. Wow. Favorite story, Kelly and Derek. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So I, I won't choose the one about the, the 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 guy from Duke dropping all the money. That's sad. Yeah, that's what I was going to choose. I was just going to choose. You that. can choose it. That's sad though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's sad. But that's that's my favorite one because I I I know that he's going to change. Because once he gets his check and he realizes that money went right out the door, and then you're in the highest tax bracket possible, and all that horrible. Yeah, uh, I my mean, million dollars goes straight to like six hundred and seventy thousand. Then so. your agent. I don't know. You have a different. I never had agent, so I no. Really? No, I got all my money. I'm good. <laughs> Do you recommend players don't have agents? What did you need an agent for? The team's oh. drafting you. Okay. You already set in a slot. They're Makes not going to make you me. any more money. Wow. You need a marketing agent what I had. I had a guy on my team that was marketing worldwide. They helped me with marketing. They didn't do any of my contracts, my Jordan deal. Nobody did. Like, what are you doing? The company wants you. Why are you asking them to speak on your behalf? Wow. Hmm. That makes sense. Think about it. If makes the team sense. wants to draft you and you're the 20th pick, that agent's not going to help you. What get percentage of players do have agents? Probably ninety percent, ninety five percent. But they don't think. None of them think for themselves. And then that agent was driving around in a nice car, nice cars, two percent of their money, of everybody's money that they are representing, right? Yep. Wow. So well, I'm going to taking... take the high road, and I'm going to say that that's a little. T- I'm going to instead pick Carl Crawford's wife taking a shot at Chad Ochoacinco. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the high road, and that's my story. Right, that's right, so right. funny. That's mine. That's Ashley, right? what's your favorite? Um. I kind of, I don't know. I kind of like the Andrew Wiggins versus Corella Deville. <laughs> oh yeah, the outfit. Women like the. It's fun. Those are that's le- <laughs> legendary stuff. Guys having you know funny outfits. Yeah, it's funny just because he said his inspiration was Corella Deville. Like who I think does it's that? <laughs> Makes me kind of like him. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't. Someone wears a goofy outfit. It's much better than hearing that he dropped eighty thousand dollars. Right. Like, yeah, that's way better. It's, way better. I think it um, kind of sets the expectation for what he's going to wear in the future. Like, people are going to probably now start paying attention to what Andrew Wiggins is wearing to events because he made such a statement. Like Russell Westbrook and, and Dwayne Wade. What about some of those outfits they come out with? Real metrosexual, almost <laughs> almost like they're dressed, purposely dressing up like girls. Have you oh seen gosh. that, Derek? I just made a tweet or a post about men are following women and they're becoming feminine. And what they, the hell? And they, and they think it's okay. They think it's... They maybe think it's okay. maybe in like, some European country, that's really there's cool. There's no way for a man. But it doesn't man, seem too cool here. There's no way for a man to wear anything tight. If I see, if you can see my quad muscles in my pants, I shouldn't <laughs> be wearing them. 
And that's the problem that I have. Like, Hold what on. man, There's what man wants to do that? that like, Russell Westbrook wore. It looked crazy. like he had on, like, leggings. But yeah. they were, like, long in the crotch. Mm-hmm. Like, this outfit. Like, who wears that? I don't know. Yeah, that's, this, this, but that's the world we live in, man. They I think guess. it's okay to act like women. I guess And so. that's why you get so many problems with these young boys. They never become men because they're always following women. So And, like, this outfit would be cute if his pants weren't so tight. tight. Yeah, like, what, like, you should feel uncomfortable wearing tight clothes. <laughs> like, I can't put my hands in my pocket. <laughs> so, basically, what you're saying is we'll never see you in skinny jeans. Man. <laughs> 502-384-1450 is the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line. If you think men should wear women's clothing... <laughs> Like Russell Westbrook or Dwayne Wade, please let us know. We're actually going to head to the buzz line now. We had a a NASCAR race in the state of Kentucky yesterday. And who knows better about the the world of NASCAR than our man Carolina Steve. How are you doing this morning, Carolina? Doing fine. A little tired. Got back late from Sparta last night. Uh, Went up there on Thursday and uh, last night and... Both nights were good nights. Rained a, 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 a shower, but we ended up it ended up being a rather cool night. A good night for racing. Great stuff. Who won? Keslowski. Keslowski. All right. Is it was it a successful He's overall? Was this successful for the state of Kentucky? Do you think NASCAR likes going to the Kentuckiana Speedway? Yeah. Uh, it, it was good. I met some interesting people up there. Uh, on Thursday night, I met my all-time favorite driver and got my picture taken with him. Richard Petty. A gentleman from South Boston, Virginia, the only man who speaks good English in NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> who is it? And I can understand him. What's his name? Warburton. Wow, Okay. And then uh, I also got to meet a man. A lot of people around here have heard, but uh, never get to meet. He used to be the track announcer at uh, Churchill Downs, and he's now the track announcer at Keeneland. But he also announces for the Motor Racing Network, and he was doing the uh, was in the booth for the uh, truck race. That's Mr. Kurt Becker. And he, I just enjoyed talking to him. Me and him talked about uh, the thrill of calling the Kentucky Derby and the thrill of being one of the people who called Earnhardt's first Daytona victory. So he, uh, I had a good conversation with him uh, both days. The, the traffic wasn't bad at all, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, it was a good break for me to get away to go up there to see a sport that I really, really liked. Uh, I wish we could have had more people there last night. I think the threat of rain kept a few of them away. It wasn't, it wasn't a full house, but uh, it, I liked it uh, good. And uh, for the bang for your buck, the truck race, 30 bucks. You can't, you can't beat that seeing that as good a race as it was come down to the end. And uh, Kurt Bush, I mean, Kyle Bush uh, beat his uh, guy who races for him, Bubba Wallace. And, uh, all in all, it was pretty good. Now, today, I've already been to the gun show, bought me some ammunition, and uh, going uh, home and watched my favorite female golfer play this afternoon. She's leading. That's Michelle Wee. So uh, I'm going to really enjoy uh, the thing because it looks like we may get a little bit of rain today. Great. Carolina, we, we appreciate the update on the Kentucky Speedway. 
uh, from yesterday, and we appreciate your call. Have a great rest of your weekend, Carolina. we got the phone lines filling up here. Thank you. Okay, well, I'll talk to you all next week. Maybe I'll be a little bit more awake. Y'all have a nice day. Thanks a lot, Carolina. <laughs> We're going to head back to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln, Ford Lincoln buzz line, which, once again, is 502-384-1450. We're going to head back to the buzz line where we got our man, Brian the Insider on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Brian? Good morning, Ashley, Kelly, and Derek. Good morning. Uh, been listening to your show. Re- really enjoy it, Ashley. Good to hear you again. Good morning, buddy. Good morning. Hey, i got a couple questions. I-, I love having Derek on the show, and I wanted to ask him a couple questions. Hey, yeah. Derek, have you had a chance to see any of the new Kentucky or Louisville uh, freshmen coming in? I hear the, uh, I hear the Egyptian seven-footer. For Louisville, has been fairly impressive, and uh, just wanted to see if you've had a chance to see any of these new guys uh, that are going to be freshmen play at all. No, I haven't watched them individually yet. I've seen them on television when I've seen them in the uh, McDonald's game, and uh, I think they're all phenomenal players. But until you get in a system of college players and you understand that you're not the first option anymore, that's when you'll see them succeed. You know, right now it's good to see them talented-wise. I think they got they all have a lot of talent. The amazing thing is that the the kid from Michigan for U of L. He's um he's really really good. Uh, I can't remember the kid's name, but I saw oh, yeah, him. Johnson. Yeah, he's really yeah, good. Yeah, Jared. I think Jalen Johnson. Yeah, yeah he's, he's really kind really of a sweep across. Yeah, he is, and he's. Derek, I, I also wanted to ask you. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Um, Daniel Dell is Louisville's top recruit that they're trying to get, mm-hmm. and every time I do a lot of reading on Louisville recruiting, and this is a six seven sleeper. I think he's from Sudan or some African country, but every time I read about him, I keep seeing the comparisons with you. Uh, mm-hmm. His coach says it reminds him a lot of Derek Anderson, and I wonder if you've seen or heard anything about Dane Adele. No, I'm going to have to look that kid up. I know if he, because Coach Patino, I, I went to his practice a couple of times, and he said, I'll never compare somebody to Derek. You guys are too yeah. lazy. Remember he said that before? He said, you guys don't, <laughs> you don't play hard enough. So that's, that guy must really have something in his his system to go because that's what I played extremely hard. Well, Patino hasn't. I haven't heard Patino make that comparison. Oh, other people. I, okay, I okay, coach, okay. It's got a uh, the coach that's coaching has got a tie in with Patino. But I've read four or five articles, and every time I read an article about this Daniel Dell, who I think is the number one a target for Louisville or one of the top mm. targets for the 2015 class. The coach keeps comparing to you, so I was curious oh, wow. to see if you'd seen him play. I'm going to look him up. I haven't seen that, but if, if, if he's that good, that means he plays hard. <laughs> he doesn't stop. <laughs> he's got a motor on him, then I like that. I can't wait to see these guys. Brian, are you looking forward to see, seeing the World Cup on Tuesday? Before we let you go, you have a prediction? Will, will uh, the United States beat Belgium? Oh, I'd love to see it. I, I tell you what, the only thing I know about Belgium is they've got great beers. I love the beers. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm really got uh, – I'm not sure I understand all the rules with soccer or football, whatever you call it, but I sure love this World Cup, man. It, when you see the passion and those fans, and, uh, mm-hmm. I, I've been watching – I'm ready to go – to a Mexican restaurant and watch Mexico play. I can't think of a better environment than watching Mexico play uh, over a margarita. But, uh, well, Brian, did you hear uh, about the, the uh, playmate that was posting the provocative photos and videos after every time Mexico scored? No. You should no, look that up. Check that out. Be so careful where you go, too. Right, right. Apparently, um, <laughs> she's like one of the, I don't know, most recent, like, Playmate, cover girls, or something like that, but she's uh, Mexican. 
And so after every time they score, she was posting on her social media these videos. Wow. <laughs> I love it. So everyone. Well, I made, that may be my new favorite team. No, now. it's Kelly's favorite team. He just doesn't want to tell you, but <laughs> Kelly's been rooting for Mexico from the beginning. I'll definitely be checking that out later today. <laughs> right. I'll tell you that. Brian, thank you very much for the call. Have a great rest of your weekend. We look forward, forward to talking to you next Sunday. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. I really, really enjoy listening to the show this morning. Keep it up. Thank you. Thanks. Good stuff there, guys. Uh, we actually, we've been kind of selling the, the breaks short thus far. Um, we're going to have to head to our, our last break of the show, and hopefully we'll be getting our man Brandon J. Lawrence on before the, the 12 o'clock hour. Kelly, did we're, you pick we're, the song? What? I you did. clearly picked the song. <laughs> it's a great song, actually. Let's not sell it short. Okay. <laughs> we're going to head to a break. Stay tuned for more of the Weekend Sports. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick. Ashley, this is Beyonce. I'm, I'm sorry. I, Maybe I got... uh, this, this is a song, Ego. <laughs> so it is, you're right. That kind of goes in hand in hand with some of the stuff we were talking about today. And these guys and their big egos. Spending all the money on jewelry. Fancy outfit. Is that what it is, Derek? You think it's their ego they're feeding when they, when they buy all that fancy stuff? Well, not so much the ego. They're trying to impress other people. Mm-hmm. When you don't have your own stability or, or, or identity of who you are as a person, you have to go find it. And it has to be clothes. It has to be money. It has to be material things. And it's one thing that, like, like I like cars. You know, I would get a collector's car, buy nice cars. But nothing else about me. I don't drink, gamble, never smoke, never had a dress up. You know, I had a loyalty chain. But that was it. Like, that was all you saw of me. Like, I didn't never wear something like tight clothes to get attention. I didn't wear <laughs> colorful clothes to get attention. Did you try to um, team up with, like, in all seriousness, like maybe a fashion no. uh, designers or anything like that, who people who wanted you to wear their clothes to promote, you know? People had me ask, people asked me to model from the time I got to the NBA, and I said, no, I don't need that self-attention. I don't need that. Like, and, I, and nothing against some of these players, but like a Westbrook. He probably was told he wasn't attractive as a young person, and now he's drawing all the attention he can because he's played sports. Yeah. So, like, it makes no sense for him to dress like that. And you can't say that he's always dressed like that because they showed him in college and mm-hmm. he looked normal. normal. So yeah. now you get all this money. Now you're trying to get all this attention. It's like, is that what you really want to dress like? Why don't you dress Where's like that? Where's those high waters all the time? Yeah. Right. He never wore he that does. in college or in high school, they said. So why all of a sudden you get this place? How is that comfortable? Change. I don't know what the hell uh, that is. It's attention. And well, it, it's, it's all I think. It's just attention. Um, Kelly, I don't think you know this about me, but okay. um, I studied fashion design, Okay, which was going to be my original major. So, Derek, I'm going to ask, <laughs> if I design... Close for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, would you allow me to give you a makeover? Like, just to try some stuff out? See it depends. It, it depends. depends. What are the rules? No tight clothes. So, I no tight, like, not even, like, a fitted shirt? No fitted, nothing. No I'm, fitted anything. I'm a man. I need to have some room breathe. to breathe. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Any other rules? Uh, No bright colors. Like, no greens, no fluorescent oranges. Not, like, lime green? Just nah. no green I mean, you could have a shirt, like, this bright. But the outfit has to be earth tones or neutral colors or something like that. No, that's it. Everything else. Everything I'm good. else is. Like, yeah, oh, I'm good. I'm hats, good. maybe. So, I don't wear hats, but I'll try it. <laughs> okay. So, so, so basically, nothing that's going to go out of the way to attract more, you know, more, more attention. attention. You're already, to, other than that, you're six. You're already eight, six six. Or six. However tall you, six six, yeah. and you know everybody. But if knows I got who a haircut, are. which most of these kids need to do anyway, <laughs> and I put on a nice suit. 
you'll look you'll you'll look at me and say you look nice i'll look Look nice instead of trying to figure out what the hell i look like (laughs) like uh what are you trying to do so you have a birthday coming up yeah so i'm going to make you an outfit i'm gonna try to make you an outfit for your birthday oh gosh I'm going to wear it here, too, Cal. I'm going to bring it here. Oh, please do. Yeah, I would love to see it. Wait, yeah. what, what do you have in mind, Ashley? Can you let anything on to our, our no, listeners? Not, no, because then someone will try to steal my stuff. You know, fashion always does seem to go hand-in-hand hand with celebrity. Kanye West is seemingly focusing a lot of his attention these days. and uh, Undressing his wife. <laughs> the fashion industry, in all seriousness. He's putting tons of money into it. and mm-hmm. I mean, right. Something that's appealing to a certain select... Um, Type of celebrity, I guess. Not everyone. Right, yeah. Everything, everybody's fashion is kind of different, but being clean and cut has always been the same. Always in style. You can always. go to Goodwill and buy a nice, okay suit and look all right, presentable. Mm-hmm. Clean clean shave. Yeah, clean haircut. shave. You know, yeah. brush your hair. Do yeah. whatever you need to do. Look yeah. nice. Look nice. Do you yeah, brush your hair, that. Kelly? I, I, I don't have any hair, really. So <laughs> <laughs> At the current time, no, I don't, I don't brush my hair much. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, I'm going to work on that. What about suspenders? Are you opposed to suspenders? I've never had on suspenders in my life. Does that mean you wouldn't wear them? No, I don't think I feel comfortable. Again, anything tight. <laughs> okay. What I about a, a bow tie? Like, I've worn a bow tie. First time I wore one was a Jack and Jill award I got uh, maybe two months ago. I'm going to say the bow ties look good on you. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'll try a bow tie. That's that's okay. Just no tight So we can clothes, do a bow tie. No, no suspenders. suspenders. Nothing fitted. Nothing, nothing fitted. too bright. Right. Okay. We've only got a few minutes left of the show, really. And a couple questions I've wondered since the last time we had our NBA insider in studio, Derek Anderson. I've wondered, A, I'll say, uh, was Ron Artest someone you'd want as a teammate? Uh, No. Simply put. His distractions were too much for a team. I mean, granted, he won with Kobe and him. Too much of a distraction for me. Same goes for Lance Stevenson? Way, just exactly, same thing. Plays too, plays hard, but he gets emotional, caught up in the game. He can cost us a game too many times. Okay. What about Carmelo Anthony? Uh, I always compare Carmelo Anthony to Dominic Wilkins. Great, okay. Great talent. All famer. Great player. Great score. But not a winner. But well, it's not about being a winner. He wants to win because he went to Syracuse and won. You're right. He won you know, his so only year at Syracuse. Yeah, he, he won wants a title. to win, but he doesn't know how to make everyone better. You don't. You don't see him say, "Hey, come get open. Come do this. Back door." They're double teaming me. If they double team, he's he's he'll shoot over them and say, "Hey, where was you at?" You know, instead of telling them, "Hey, I'm gonna draw a double team and I'm gonna pass you the ball," he's not that type of leader. And I think if he ever de- decided to say, "Hey, I'm gonna lead my team verbally and skill wise," oh, he'll change his game dramatically. He can win championships, but he doesn't do that. You watch him play ever since he was at Denver. What they asked him to do? Shoot the ball. That's all he does at the Knicks. There's no way they should have lost that many games. He should have had players. You know, spotting up, drawing double teams, doing everything. But he shoots and shoots and shoots, and it's you just can't win that way. He's Dominique Wilkins reincarnated. Sounds like a very fair, realistic comparison. What do you think the Knicks need to do to uh, win? They they just traded away Tyson Chandler back to the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. I think they brought in Jose Calderon, a guy who's supposedly pretty well-respected within the league. Yeah, uh, Raymond Felton. Out, out of there after yeah. he had some trouble with some gun charges, I think, in well, New that's York. A, the, he just not – Raymond's a two-guard and a point-guard's body, and that's the only difference he has because he, he goes hard. He wants to win. He plays extremely hard, but he's thinking shot first most of the time. He's always aggressive trying to play, but he's got to realize he's got to get everyone involved all the all the time. And uh, I just think the Knicks, they need to reload, man. They need to go find somebody who's going to teach them how to play the game of basketball. You know, like Phil came there, but if you had him run a triangle offense, backdoor cuts, screens, 
you know, different plays. You get more options than watching Carmelo shoot all night long. And then J.R. Smith come down and shoot the rest of the night. <laughs> That's so, the issue with yeah, them. Yeah, J.R. Smith seems like just the worst guy to team up with Carmelo Anthony. No offense to him. But put Trump- him on a bench. If I was a star, if I was a player like a Kevin Durant or, or Carmelo, you keep shooting all these shots. Hey, we don't need this. We need you to do X, Y, and Z. But they won't say that to the other star. A player does that. So if the coach is not going to say anything, you're going to have a bad team all the time. What kind of players would you put around Carmelo Anthony if we put Derek Anderson in the, the front office like Jason Kidd's trying to do with even Milwaukee Bucks now? Mm-hmm. A lot of guys are wanting to be involved in the administrative side of things. Right. If you were a GM, what would be the type team, maybe a couple players you would put around Carmelo Anthony to make a run at a title? Um, I think I would do a Darren Williams. Okay, I good think point he's, guard. He's, he's a solid point guard. He doesn't need to score all the time, but he can. He'll lead the team. You can tell he'll lead the team. He doesn't care who you are. He was leading some of them other guys. I think uh, actually I would go get like uh, Kevin Garnett to be a role player for him to tell him to hey play hard on defense because KG makes everybody play hard. Granted, some of them sometimes he can't get it done himself. Uh, you get a a couple of young players like a, I would get a, a Bledsoe, uh, Eric Bledsoe. I think he'd come give some energy off the bench, and you bring G.R. Smith off the bench to sub for Carmelo so they don't have the same game shooting all the time. Um, and then I would get probably another role player, someone big, you know, like a DeAndre Jordan from the Clippers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just some athleticism to, to make me take the pressure off because all the shots that they shoot are jumpers. Who's rebounding the ball? Yeah. Stoudemire doesn't rebound For, for some reason, they, Carmelo and Tyson Chandler did not get along. On paper, at least from my perspective, Tyson Chandler seems like someone I would want on my team. He can run the he floor, would. Would. run he, the floor real well. He and, never got the ball. That's what I'm saying. He runs the floor with nothing. DeAndre Jordan runs the floor. You'll at least throw him alley oop. Yeah, you know I think he'll force that, but they won't throw Chandler, Chandler the ball. He was open half the season. <laughs> yeah, and, and they they said Carmelo and Chandler just didn't get along for some reason. So maybe they need another type of center to come in and just play the role. They That's did. They saying. brought in Samuel Dallenbert. I don't know. He, he seems like he's up in. You know he's he's probably toward the back end of his career. Yeah. I don't know if he's. Um, the solution will Phil Jackson excel in his position with the Knicks? Does it matter? Is that a big storyline? Even I mean, it's, it's not a storyline. His his thing was coaching. So sorry, what he's legacy. doing, his yeah. legacy is in coaching. Yeah, so why if we even compare? If he does about great, it? yeah. Why do we even? Pa- Pat Riley has successfully made the transition. He's not, done it a couple not many times, people though. can. Not many people can do that. But look I, how long it took him. Yeah, he failed. Right. I mean, he he took a while. You know, that team was terrible at first. Then he wanted to get a couple teams, made some, made some draft picks, did what he had to do. Then he came back down and started coaching. <laughs> he just yanked Stan Van Gundy right out of his job Yep, one right year, 2005, of, I think. Yeah. So I think you just got to – you got to – you got to. I think if he's going to coach, you got to have someone coaching the system like he did. You got to bring someone like a Byron Scott or, uh, you know, someone in that – Brian Shaw, you know, if he could have got him. knows the yeah. triangle. But he yeah. got Derek Fisher. Well, Derek might be the one. He might be the reason he brought him. So he you ever play his, with Derek Fisher? I played against him in high school. It was funny. Really? Yeah, yeah we beat him in a, a – uh, classic in uh, Las Vegas. He played for a team in Arkansas or something, and we beat him in Las Vegas. So that's the only time I played against seems him. Seems like a pretty side. good guy. Yeah, he seems like it. I have not talked to him verbally too much except during the games or season, but he seems like he knows what he's doing. He plays hard. So I think they, that's the system they have to work in, just pass and move. If they don't pass and move and hold the ball the whole game, they're going to lose. But if they get them to pass and pass and pass and move, you'll get everyone involved. You can't beat anybody with one or two players like you used to. You have to be. You have to have four guys that are efficient to make you win games. Just a couple minutes left. Uh, my last question for you, Derek, is we, we, we've now seen players like Mark Jackson, mm-hmm. Derek Fisher, 
with no coaching experience, jump straight from the, the being a point guard. It seems you have to be a point guard first in the NBA. <laughs> and then you make the jump. As long as you're a point guard, right. you can make the jump. Avery Johnson, Brian Shaw, those guys had to go through the ranks a little bit. But these days, you don't even have to go through the ranks. Is Andre Miller the next guy to do that? If not Andre Miller, he's just someone I'm picking because he's been in the league so long. Right, right. If not Andre Miller, who's another candidate who could possibly make that type of jump? Anybody come to your mind? Not not soon. I know Chris Paul will do it as soon as he retires. He's pretty well-respected, it seems. Yeah, I think he's kind of known as being a floor general. Yeah, I think he'll be really, really well. But Isn't right he now, president of the Players Association, too? Derek he, Fisher is. Derek Fisher is. Yeah, he's the vice. He's, oh, okay. uh, he's involved somehow. Yes, mm-hmm. he, yeah, Chris is. He does. I think James Jones and James Jones in Miami may be involved also. Yeah, yeah. I don't know because coaching, if you understand a game of basketball, which point guards should, they understand every position on the floor, they're good at coaching. You just have to find the player's coach and how to how to do things. Don't be screaming and yelling for no reason. So, But it should be interesting to see. Great stuff, Derek. We appreciate you coming in studio with us. Anytime. Myself, Kelly Patrick, Ashley Miller, Derek Anderson. We want to thank our man Brandon Lawrence for allowing us to be on the air. Be sure to tune in next Saturday from 9 to 11 and next Sunday from 10 till noon for more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Yet them pies, matter of fact, it's my smile, I'm at